Hello, I'm Laura Nyatchik. And I'm Juliana Byron-Wim. And I'm Ariana Martin. Hello, I'm Gabriela Segura. And this is Sought Perspectives. Today we have uh, a particular problem on our minds, right girls? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that problem is the, um, the fact that we very often get accused of uh, being a cult and I get called, you know, somebody who wants to be a cult guru and I can tell you right now, anybody who comes to my house and hangs around with me, my kids, my family, will discover that uh, I am nothing like a guru. Uh, there's nothing like children for bringing you down and making you realize exactly how much chopped liver you really are. So I'm pretty much chopped liver around my house, but <laughs> I get a lot of help and support from the girls, seriously. So uh, maybe we should tell a little bit about our particular situation right now. Right now we have actually a police investigation going on in the background because a crazy man decided to accuse us of being a cult and inducing his uh, beloved partner, they weren't actually married, to leave him. Um, this is a story we're going to tell in greater depth in a future show because we'll have the actual individual, the woman in question here. But nevertheless, he went down and filed a complaint with the uh, police judiciaire in Toulouse and we discovered by an interesting series of events that we were being investigated. And Maybe Juliana wants to tell exactly how that came about because it's really kind of funny. Well, last year we gave a uh, weekend course. Where, as you know, we, uh, as many of you know, we teach a program called the Aureolus, created by Laura and Gabby. And last uh, year we gave a course in the north of France. And about a month ago, the police from Toulouse called one of our students to ask them questions such as, um, did they ask you to pay a lot of money? Did they ask you to um, commit to something in particular, etc., etc.? And it was obvious that they had looked at our bank account. Uh, I don't know if it's worth <coughs> going into too many details of why. Well, they, they now get that. Get that. Because somebody accuses you of trying to run a cult, and this is a crazy person, because we have proof that he is a crazy person. We have proof that he is a pathological crazy person, but nevertheless, we'll present that proof in another show. But because somebody makes that accusation, France has the authority, or they can get the authority, the police can get the authority to pull all your bank records. I mean... What kind of world are we living in where they can pull your bank records based on on a slimy, disgusting accusation like that? Yeah. So, carry on. <clears throat> well, anyhow, we were surprised, to say the least, and uh, we contacted the police ourselves. We said, well, we have to find out what's, uh, what's really happening here. So I talked to one of the captains in Toulouse who says, yes, sure, this man... Uh, which we won't name. Uh, not this time. We'll name him next time. time. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for the name. Uh, this man filed a complaint against you saying you were a cult. And uh, so I said, well, are you doing an investigation without telling us? And they said, yes, sure. We're, you know, when have you looked at our bank records? We're doing our investigation. They would never admit that, except so, tacitly. Anyway, she accepted that I went there for an interview and I was interrogated for four hours total. Four. 
Without water? Without water. Didn't even offer a glass of water, for God's sakes. And as soon as I mentioned him and told, him, told her what I knew about him, she stopped me and said, uh, these are strong accusations, you can't be saying that. Uh, oh, never mind that I had the proof. And it's not just accusations, it is actual papers. Uh, well, yeah, let me, let me explain that uh, for several days before Juliana went for this interview with the police captain woman, um, we gathered all of our uh, financial records together because she had said that she wanted to see our financial records. Well, I mean, obviously they wanted to see them because they were snooping around our bank account, but, you know, we had nothing to hide. So we went to the accountant, we got all of our financials, we got everything photocopied, and then we photocopied all of the evidence where this guy has been defaming us on the Internet and put all of this stuff together in binders. We got... Uh, um, a file like this. Yeah, we had testimonials. We had, you know, everything you could possibly imagine that you, you know, use in your defense. You know, all of it, you know, sworn sworn statements with people supplying their names, their driver's license or passports or whatever. And we had, I think it was, um, how many kilos of documents was it? Because we actually eight, weighed it. Eight something? It was eight, eight, eight or so kilos of documents. I think At it least was 22 eight. pounds. It was 10 kilos. Mm -hmm. It was 22 pounds. So this was a stack of documents. So we had it all separated, and we had uh, cover sheets and markers mm -hmm. so that they could find out, you know, where every document was, what it was, description of everything in the, in the compartments. So she went in there with all of this documentation and made this remark to the police captain saying that, you know, about this man. Mm -hmm. And that's when she said, these are strong accusations. You can't be making those accusations. Well, hell, he made accusations about us. He used false proof. <clears throat> uh, we had the he proof. lied to back his accusations up. And this, uh, his ex-partner even wrote and showed that his accusations were lies. And they didn't want... They, they didn't, didn't even want, want to, to see it. it. They did not even want to see. So here's a guy who's making accusations with lies. And we get investigated to the point where even our bank records are being pulled. And believe me, you know, we don't have a lot of money in our bank account. So, you know, I think they were rather disappointed. And then we say one thing about this guy that he is, you know, possibly a pedophile. For sure, a sexual pervert. We have proof out of his own mouth he's a sexual pervert, okay? And documentary evidence in this stack of papers. And this woman says, those are strong accusations. Say what? And then doesn't even look at the proof. And, and refuse to even look at it. Right. Yeah, what kind of investigation is that? Yeah. yeah. So and choose in there being interrogated. Four hours. And uh, the, uh, the weird thing was that, you know, all the while, all the while I was being interrogated, she kept having um, assumptions about who we were, what we did, you know, all from him. You know, whatever he said stuck into her mind. Like, you know, you are doing research and what? And how come you have a physician? And how come you have, you know... Um, how come we have a physician on our research team? <laughs> yeah. Because we do medical and health research. Duh! And a very funny thing is that she kept saying, what are your beliefs? Tell me what your beliefs are. And I had a very hard time... Because we don't believe anything! ...that there, were, there are no beliefs. How do you explain to somebody where the whole world is based on false beliefs... On and we're lies, just researching! ...that everything we do is online, you can read it. 
you know, what are we hiding? Why do we have to believe in something? If there's anything we believe it is in, you know, the research. Truth. Research. So, um, what else? Do you want to continue with the chronology? Well, yeah, you can, mm. you can tell. Uh, yeah, go ahead. After that, in the meantime, uh, this uh, young woman was in a um, trial uh, with her partner for the custody of their children. And we went to see the local police. They seemed very supportive. We met the, uh, the chief of the police here, and they, they were very, very supportive. It's been a month now. Well, we were still waiting. Yeah, because supposedly we can't file our own case against this man until they close out the investigation of us. So they're dragging their feet about this, you know. So it strikes us that there are some people in high places, possibly, who could be behind this. Um, why, why they don't understand when everything we think and do is clearly and plainly on the Internet. Of course, one of the problems is that they don't speak English. A lot of them don't speak English. And this crazy man provided them with very, very bad translations where he also not only had bad translations, but he extracted material completely out of context and provided that as his evidence. Now here the problem that I want to I highlight here is that um, whenever anybody uses the word cult, people's brains stop. That's true. I mean, they just... It's a program that goes deep, deep, deep inside of everybody's subconscious, like, you know, cult is that, that's programmed. It, you know? mm -hmm. And wh when did, I mean, when, when did it start? You know, when did people start being programmed to think that when you say the word cult, it's something horrible and dangerous? Is this like a fundamentalist program? Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's... In the meantime, the real cults are okay. They're religions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's just a brief um, uh, background of why we're going to be discussing the topic of cults today. Uh, as I said, we'll be having the individual in question on a future show and she'll tell you all the dirty details. It's really quite fascinating because she spent 11 years with a pathological uh, abuser who not only abused her psychologically but threatened her um, you know, made life very uncomfortable and miserable for her, isolated her from her family, uh, subjected her to poverty, sexual perversion, etc. So we'll get her on here and we'll talk about that and pathological relationships at some point in the not too distant future. But today we have something really interesting. We have uh, two brothers who actually were in a cult, a real cult. And I want you to uh, welcome Jeff and Brett to our show and Jeff and Brett live in a Scandinavian country that I'm not going to name and I'm not going to give you their last name because I don't want you searching on the internet and I don't want any weird people harassing them but we are going to tell you with as much detail as possible about their lives and uh, about how things uh, were for them in this cult and so let's uh, give a big warm welcome to Jeff and Brett. Welcome, Jeff and Brett. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks. It's great to be yes. here on your breakfast table, <laughs> kitchen table conversation. Yeah. Very pleased to see you. So first of all, um, I guess one of the things we want to talk about here is what is this problem with the word cult? Uh, cult used to mean, you know, just any group of people who had a 
particular form of worship or honored a particular uh, god or uh, had a particular system of honoring their god or their or their chosen deity or I don't even I'm not even sure if they always were focused on deities. Maybe a guru. Yeah, a guru, whatever. And uh, for some reason now, it's a word that that just stops all cerebral activity. It's just unbelievable to see the way it works. I mean, this police captain in Toulouse, you know, was so convinced of the lies that this crazy man told her that she, I mean, she believed him and, and verbally attacked Juliana for, you know, speaking the truth. Now, how bizarre is that? So, so you were in a cult, I understand. Um, but it was one of the okay cults because it was an offshoot of a, uh, a more or less mainstream Christian religion. Is that the case? And what what was it called? Uh, well, the yeah, it wasn't an offshoot. It was a how would you say it would be <clears throat> very fundamental Lutheran, like the basic Lutheran. They often it was called uh, Lestadian Lutheran, is the the American uh, terminology, or Lestadiolized in the kind of language of them. That we're living in, but this Lestadianism is a uh, is a, a, a awakening movement that happened in Scandinavia back in the late 1800s. Right, and how did you get into this cult? Well, from basically childhood, we were taught by our mother. I see. And <laughs> is it a popular religion well, in Scandinavia? Like fair. Well, how would you say it's it's still non? How would you say it's the very it's only a small minority, right. mm -hmm. but if you look at the the, the movement in uh, Northern Europe, is is at least a hundred thousand or more uh, members, so fairly significant. In North America, there's uh, somewhere between five and eight thousand, and it's growing all the time because the membership is growing inwardly. They tend inside. Well, let's back up just a second, Jeff. What is it you do professionally? Well, I'm a I'm a, a professional in, in marketing and uh, strategic development and, and leadership and so forth, and, I, and I'm uh, currently lecturing at a university, a number of universities, and I also have my own company where I do coaching and, and training and consulting as well. And what about you, Brett? Well, I'm currently employed by a large so uh, company, um, corporation, and I'm a software engineer. So you're a software engineer and you're a marketing professional lecturing at universities, and basically you guys were in a real live cults. Maybe we need to understand what a cult is and how we're describing a cult. Does anybody, I mean, what do we know about cults? What's a cult? What's the criteria for being a cult? A group that worships a deity. A deity? deity. Or a guru? Or a guru. Well, I get accused of that all the time, that I'm trying to be a guru, but uh, somehow it doesn't quite fit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because, as I said, a huge commitment. You can't leave very easily. Um, you have to pay lots of money usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our bank account um, tells us that uh, we're not doing too good as cult leaders. <laughs> no. Uh, maybe um, as a marketing specialist, you could, you know, kind of give me some coaching on being a better cult guru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I could do that. Maybe I think you need to have a very strong kind of a, a hook or a kind of a, um, a, uh, a, maybe a strong, you offer some strong reward. Uh -oh. or you offer some strong, um, um, if you believe this or you do this, you will get this. And if you don't, you're in deep trouble. Mm -hmm. And if you can get a large group of people thinking that way at the foundation, then maybe things start rolling. 
And so let me just add then, imagine me, six-year-old guy, being told by his beloved, you know, parents that in this particular faith, if you believe, you get to go to heaven when you die. But if you don't believe, you will go to hell when you die. The fear That's quite a very large... That's a pretty scary thing to tell system. a little kid. For a six-year-old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I do remember making that very logical and simple calculation at that age. Well, I am not going to look at anything else but this system mm -hmm. that I'm in. That's what our mother had mentioned that, even though she didn't strongly, with a strong hand, bring us up in that, but she introduced it to us, this Lestadianism, because she was introduced that. And then it was just kind of passed on, and then we... Was it passed on also on the school you both went in no, Scandinavia? No, absolutely not. Actually, we grew up in North America. We moved to Scandinavia uh -huh. later uh -huh. in our lives. And, um, however, uh, uh, we uh, went to the confirmation camps and so forth. For or example, camp when, you're when you're 15. And that's where there's mm. two weeks of you know, religious so, programming or instruction, seeding the words. What are, what are the main uh, beliefs of this cult? Well, I would say the absolute, the, the, the foundation is, the, is what they talk about is Christ, and it is believing sins forgiven. That is and the key. That is the key, and that is the, that's the key to everything, because once you believe your sins forgiven, in Jesus' name and blood, as they say, that's the only way, and only believers can, can, can do this. God does not uh, preach forgiveness directly. directly. When you believe this, then you have oh, the Holy wait Spirit. Wait a minute, what do you mean? Sure. What do you mean, only believers can only do this? Believers, only believers, are, uh, when I say believers, those are Lestadians. And only Lestadians can preach to each other and, and say that all your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name and blood and, and receive absolution of sins. And then when that happens, you have the Holy Spirit. So, in other words, a person can't just like pray to God and, no. and no. have a direct relationship with God. They have to do it no. by... The By way of uh, the medium the me of another person. Another person, Absolutely. because they use the office of the keys, which is a part in the New Testament about the keys of the kingdom of the earth are on, uh, or kingdom of heaven are on the earth, uh, to bind and to loose. So loosing is forgiveness of sins, and that has to, that's on earth, so that's between believers to do. In other words, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So Precisely. they they believe that they, as believers, have this power yes, right. to bind and loose, and yes. only they have Only it. they do. Only these 100,000. So if the world were to end today, uh, you would have maybe, you know, 100,000 plus, you know, believers who are truly believing this, not just belonging because of cultural reasons, but truly believe this in their heart, plus all the children in the world. So how many children? Those are the only ones who would go to heaven. Why the children? Children, because they are, they, that's how the, the faith is, is uh, um, all children are believers. They're innocent. They are without sin. They have no knowledge of sin. And they don't even need to be baptized. They just have to be children, innocent children. I don't know what the age cutoff yeah. is, but... But, oh. it's, uh, but at some point you stop being a child and all of a sudden you're, you're sinful. You're sinful, and then even though you have not been exposed to this, you are heading to the oven to burn. To the oven. <laughs> or to the, oven. To the <laughs> fire. <laughs> what do you want to call it? But it's, they don't use that euphem that so much. They've changed it. They used in the old days talk about hell. Then they started talking about damnation. And now they talk about you lose your hope for eternal life. You lose your hope of heaven. When you when you leave right. this, they're not emphasizing the hellfire yeah. so, so much these days. So what happens when uh, when somebody decides they don't want to belong to this group anymore? I mean, is, isn't that uh, one of the 
a criteria for a cult that it's uh, easy to get in and hard to get out? I'll take that if you want. The, um, well, actually, in theory, and if you listen to any of the sermons, believing is a free will matter. And, I, and they will tell you this over and over again in the sermons, how it's a free will matter. But how free will is it in practice? Because instantly, when you say, I am no longer a believer, mom and dad, everybody is very sad, sad. and tearful. Oh. And as a matter of fact, we have a greeting that we like to give to each other when we are brothers and, and sisters in faith. And so we will greet each other with God's peace. Instantly, that greeting ends when you're no longer. And even if there is absolutely no formal idea of shunning people who are not in the faith, there is still, it seems to happen almost automatically where you feel like you're an outsider, mm. even if it's not um, taught or, or, or encouraged to shun anyone. Yeah. You're not formally excommunicated in the, like some other but religions. It's clear the border is, is, and this is, I was taught in my confirmation, they say there must be a clear border between people who are believing and people who are not. Yeah, that sounds so exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. They quote the, the Bible portion, they talk, what righteousness has, what does, what, what, um, hath righteousness to do with unrighteousness and be unequally yoked with, you know, um, light and darkness. And so I'm assuming y'all married Lestadian women? Yes, from not from our own country, but... Uh, from Scandinavian country. From Scandinavian country, yeah. We married, we, we married uh, you'd say, fairly fundamental um, uh, believer, Lestadian women who had faith of the heart. So it was not so much a cultural thing that they just grew up in it. That's one piece, but they actually truly believed and accepted this this idea of having to okay. follow and and, and I'm going to tell the viewers something rather shocking. Uh, how old are you, Jeff? I am just over 40. And how many children do you have? I have uh, 10 children. <laughs> and can you tell... Tell us about why you have ten children. Well, the ten children is interesting. You got to remember when I say ten children, all from the same mother, and they're all I'm the father. And the second thing is, is that when the tenth was was born, my oldest was thirteen. So it would be a huge difference if my oldest was thirty, and then had ten children or something like that, and the space between. So I had. Uh, why do I have that? Is because this um, the Stadian the Stadian uh, uh, religion or. Um, they call themselves the, the children of God the, 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 and the children of light. So they're the only true believers. That's one thing about the stadium. They're the only true, true ones. And uh, so they don't get along with their other Christian counterparts because they're so exclusive. However, why do I have ten children? Is because they do not believe in birth control. And the reason is, is because uh, a, a child, a baby, is a gift from God. So therefore you would not want to stop those gifts. You would, uh, would want to accept them for, as, as gifts from the, from the Heavenly Father, as they would say. And not accepting them shows a distrust for this uh, Heavenly Father. So even though I, had, I was 27 years old, and well, actually I wasn't, I was, I was 26 years old. I was one month shy of 27 years old, and my fourth child came, and my oldest was three. So you had two babies per lap, basically. It's pretty amazing to have ten children in this day and age, considering, uh, you know, the stresses of our environment. Um, and, you know, while we know that the Catholic Church bans birth control, they have pretty much the same view about birth control. But most Catholics find a way around this. I mean, they use the rhythm method and, uh, 
you know, unless they're uh, screamingly devout, I would say, uh, a lot of Catholics have managed to skirt around, even with abstinence. So how did your wife feel about having 10 children? I mean, didn't y'all figure out what caused this? Yeah, good, <laughs> good one. That's, that's come up before in, in uh, conversations, of course. And I mean, it's looking back at it now, it's quite absurd. However, there, often it is a bit of a point of contention. One of the spouses, I know I as a father several times saw the struggling uh, situation at home and I would suggest maybe, you know, we not, you know, whatever, whatever method. The thing with the stadiums, if you are abstaining or using rhythm method or pills or condom, whatever the methodology, if you are doing it because you're wanting to prevent the child, that is sin. Sounds you're kidding. Yeah. So it's 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 so it's Very not just it's, so yeah, if, so if you're stopping it and that's the thing and then you'll get you can get a, this is the this is the interesting thing because the Holy Spirit is supposed to guide you get within the Lestadians some saying that well maybe abstinence is okay some difference of a difference of opinion within there but they're supposed to have the Holy Spirit and have the you know common understanding there but going back to your question I mean, I, you see your mother struggling with little children and you're trying to help and you might think, how about you do something about it? And oftentimes it becomes the one spouse who brings it up is admonished by the other spouse. I know that was happened with me. Oh, Jeff, you're not, you're not trusting in the Lord enough, even though she's struggling because she really wants to make it to heaven, you see. She really wants to, she wants to, she doesn't want to burn in hell. She wants to be a good girl. And she wants to be good and she wants to be right. And she, her, her and her whole reason for getting married is to be a help meet as it says in Genesis, about a help me, to help mate on the road to heaven, so that you have, that spouse is there to help you, so that you stay in faith, so that you get to heaven. That's the main, number one reason for being married. So you support in this system. And, and so when one is kind of thinking, maybe we should go, the other one admonishes, and you should, you should have that forgiven, and, and then you have to ask, you know, humbly for a forgiveness, that yeah, I didn't trust in the Lord, and, and ask for, not every, I'm sorry. How long were you married? I was married for about, well, I still am, but we've been separated for a year and a half, so... We'll get to that. Yeah, i get to that, but uh, um, uh, we were together about 16 years. And what about you, Brett? How long were you married? You were also married to a Lestadian... That's true, and, and would be soon coming to our 14th anniversary. And you have how many children? We have th three. What's wrong with you? Didn't you want to get to heaven? <laughs> well, as it is, you know, the, the, everybody's mileage really will vary in these kinds of things. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> Well, God, people God was less generous with you. This is true. Please remember, it's not like turning on a tap. It isn't that easy. For <laughs> fertility and all that kind of stuff. So even if you don't trust any methods, I know that some ladies who have 16 children, I do, and I know some people who didn't have the first child and for, for, took eight years before mm -hmm. the first child came. Mm -hmm. So it really happens. And so it just was, you know, following the directions and, and accepting every child. Um, we had three children, two miscarriages. Uh huh. In our 14-year marriage, how did you manage? Adrenal fatigue and a lot of cortisone and lots of stress, and it done little crazy things to the. Thank you very much, God, for some generosity. So I understand that both of you are currently no longer Lestadians. Is that correct? That you have more or less left formally or just unofficially? Well, it's, there's no real formal method. You simply announce to your close ones that you're no longer believing, and that's the end of the story. You no longer pay your, pay your dues. And what, what was the upshot of this announcement in your lives? Well, definitely there was a lot of sadness, a lot of phone calls around, and a lot of tears being shed by the close ones that, that no longer 
does you know father or brother or whoever wants to believe mm, a lot of guilt and and it's a very sad because I've been in that situation myself when a good friend of mine all, uh, and let's say sisters uh, left their faith I remember same that same feeling myself when I was a true believer because it is a very sad because that person in in my mind as I recall had lost their gift they, they were not going to go to heaven if they died they died in that state. I mean they're going to so go through all scary. of this you know mm -hmm. misery and suffering here but they're certainly going to get to heaven what if there is no heaven that's that's the very good question at what point you started questioning your religion slash cult you know was were there questions already in, in childhood or you know well came later yeah I suppose I, I, I like to go back to the six-year-old mind and then certainly I recall questions, how could this be only the true faith? But you push it aside, push it aside, because aunts and uncles are all reaffirming this, you know, and all the people that you trust. But many, many years later, such a strong conviction can take you past your 40th birthday, and it did for me. But there were little signs in the world when I noticed how so many people are being controlled through fear. It happens by governments, it happens in our economic system, it happens even in your relationship where someone might try to control you through fear of nagging or anger, for example. I started to really question, but could really the creator of the universe need worshipping so badly that I have to be afraid? Something wasn't working. That's a very good point. And that was the, that was the flash for me, to start to go into a compartment of mine that I didn't dare touch for nearly 40 years. Is, is this really so? and allow myself to look at other things and read other things. What about you, Jeff? Similar, similar uh, idea. We did. It was that we are, we are accused of following each other, but we had two totally separate, even though we're close brothers, separate you know, people and looking at it you know, totally separately. But the similar thing is we shared information, but we noticed that something is not right around us. Some of the lies that we're seeing about you know, 9-1-1 and the Iraq war and Afghanistan and all these things, are, there seems to be so much obfuscation and lying. I said, what? well, a couple thousand years ago, just think if this same stuff was happening then. Maybe there's stuff with the Bible, because that's the key. The Bible as it states, the, the King James Bible, was the truth and only the believers, the Lestadians, had the Holy Spirit, which was the key to the Bible. So it was all, you started to think, well, maybe that, that document isn't as true as they are saying, because what look all the, the 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 smoke and the mirrors and the lies that are about that are happening right in front of our eyes. Yeah, nothing you know, new under the sun. Yeah, nothing new. Right when we see people are lying about something, people are believing that actually the 911 towers actually went down with an airplane. So, what, if this lies would have been told some thousand years ago, you know, the Bible. And so we've been. So that's how my my story went the same way. We saw this and start trying to be objective things around in my life. Then I started to apply it to this faith. And realizing that it's based really on fear is that and a reward a reward like you get it's all because you want to get something out of this and that's mm -hmm. a, your heavenly home I might like to add to that because about truth and lies is really important to me um, all my life I loved truth so much and I thought that this was the truth and therefore I basically prayed since my childhood please Heavenly Father keep me in this faith and it's so funny when my very good buddy, who happens to be of another kind of faith in another sect, he was doing much the same thing, mm -hmm. praying every day to be kept yeah. in his faith. And, and, and studying the world and, and really feeling how there were so many lies and how much I hated lies. And then the other opposite is how much I loved the truth. I started to pray differently. Instead of God keep me in this faith, I started to pray unconsciously, God 
please, the truth. And that brings us to this book that Jeff has been holding over there. This is written by psychologist uh, Bob Altemeyer and Bruce Hunsberger. Uh, it's called Amazing Conversions, Why Some Turn to Faith and Others Abandon Religion. It's about, um, it's a scientific study that was done on people who were, A, brought up in strong religious background who then left their religion, or B, individuals who were brought up with no religious background and then became converted or saved or joined a fundamentalist type religion after they were grown. And, you know, what kind of personalities these individuals, it's, you know, there's a, a whole lot of surveys that were done to uh, discover what kind of personalities these individuals had, you know, what motivated them, what experiences they had as children. And uh, Brett and Jeff have been reading this book and doing a lot of uh, soul searching as they read it because they see themselves there. One of the uh, points that Altemeyer makes is that uh, for people who are brought up in a very strong religious background and in whom the value of truth is uh, very strongly uh, impressed upon them as they grow up, that, you know, that we have the one true religion, so that's a principle, and that means that there is the truth, and that's taught as a value, and they internalize that, and usually they're uh, pretty bright individuals, and at some point, uh, this value of truth gets turned on their faith itself, and they, because of their intelligence and their desire for truth, they begin to examine their religion itself, and that's what happens to the people who leave religions. Uh, people who get converted, who are brought up in non-religious backgrounds, as Altemeyer has shown repeatedly with his surveys, are generally people who are uh, psychologically damaged and people who would always be seeking uh, an, authorita an authoritative uh, figure to follow. He calls these individuals the authoritarian personality. That is, they follow an authority, not that they are themselves authoritarian, although they incorporate authoritarianism into their personality style. A man who is an authoritarian follower of, uh, say, a guru or a god or a belief system would be very authoritarian with his children, with his wife. He would, uh, you know, it'd be like kind of a pecking order type thing. So you have uh, something in here that I think you wanted to read. Is, yeah, is that just, it? Yeah. You, you covered it, but this person, in page 120 of, of Altemeyer's book descri describes this. You know, we, we, Brett and I had this idea where integrity was important, uh, truth was important, and, and this is something that we did internalize. And it talks, you know, uh, the teaching succeeded, it would produce someone who would deeply value the truth, which was us, and had deep down integrity. The religion would therefore create the basis for its own downfall if it came up short in any of these departments. And that's what we started, so it started to come up short. Well, could this be true, you know? Even though that's considered to be a sinful doubt, and that's what happened in the in yeah. the paradise with Adam and Eve as they started to doubt, did God really say this? And so they ate the apple. Yeah, so when you start questioning, that's the first, you know, that's your way out of the kingdom is when you start questioning too much and doubting. Dangerous. dangerous. And it was considered dangerous and don't... Uh, some years ago, they, there was a, a time when they were afraid to put um, their children into uh, higher education because that's not true anymore. They, they realized because if they start getting too, start questioning too much, they might lose their faith. 
in some areas, but that's mainly gone. They pursue all types of careers in the stadium. Critical thinking, not encouraged. Not encouraged. It, 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 there's not to a just, point. It's an interesting thing. You can only go so far. You can only apply it maybe with your job or problem solving there, something, you know, secular or something to do with, the, you know, the day-to-day but not your own faith, not the right. you've been... As I said, I had to keep a compartment untouched in my brain about it. And that's where it had to be what we called childlike faith. Hmm. Yeah. And those who are converted, Altemeyer says, for those who become believers, because um, there are a few of those, and they, the stadiums really hold on to those, because you have some conversions of people from Togo or from... Uh, they have it on their website and, and different parts of the, the world. And that's something to really hold on to, that this is, oh, this is spreading, that other people are actually believing this. Well, oftentimes these are people who are under severe stress or distress, and they're looking for something, as Altemeyer says, something that conversion solves their problems. They have serious shortfalls, emotional difficulties, and then and the conversion then helps them with that. Mm-hmm. And also goes to say that the people who are afraid the believers, when they become believers, they're afraid and they, they want to go to, as it says in 200 on of this book, um, they want security, I've got nothing to worry about, I want to go to heaven when I die, I'm going to heaven, there's a heaven, you know, that's repeated by these, these people, that they can get that, so it's something to hold on to. They want to save you, save yeah. me please. Yes, exactly, and you know, we used to tell, and Brett and I used to, to tell people when they would say, you're losing, you've lost your faith. And we would tell them that, no, what we have is we've gained faith now. We have actually lost our belief. And we tried to use the, the analogy of the, the belief being like holding on to a rock in a river, in a, in a, in a river end, and we had hold on to that rock, and that was Jesus and Lestadianism and, and forgiveness of sins and don't question whatever the big families and all the things that came out there and the, the, the stuff. Girls can't wear makeup and no rock music and stuff like that. Um, that you held on to that. Uh, but then I told them that I started to grow faith because I let go of that rock and started to swim in the river. And that we was the faith. Have faith that we can actually learn to swim. We can have faith that we can <laughs> learn to swim. And we, well, the universe will show help us. And when we ask and question. You're uh, letting go of your fear. Letting go of the fear. Yeah. Have faith in yourself. Yes. Yeah. That's actually crazy because if you, when you're talking here about an official religion. But if we didn't know the name, I, I would think you're talking about any cult, the standard cult in the street. Yeah, the, the, the kind of cults that they, you know, that people are afraid of. Right. Yeah. Fear. People telling you you're different, weird, they're sad that you're leaving, you know. I mean, um, all this belief system, instead Blind of belief. encouraging oh you to become somebody, to make your own decisions, and I mean... Well, you can in a carnal sense, like you can, well, okay, you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or... A, or a you know a car salesman or whatever do that fine that's your own thing but <clears throat> just that faith thing is the most important keep yeah. it close to your heart and so, they play on people's fear <clears throat> all the time even the church or you know well it's tough for just thinking control it is a yeah. form of control I think about I think of some of my friends I've seen there and and nice people I mean patriotic in a sense honest always pay their taxes they're great citizens I mean I, it's hardly I can't really say against them it's great in that sense for the for the society to have people but and and uh, However, one of my friends, he comes from, I think there's, is there 14 or 15 in the family, and he's probably in the 10th. And all of his brothers and sisters are, are um, in this Lestadianism. And then his wife, same thing, there's probably 14 there, and all of them are in the faith. You know, and that's, so even if he has questions, 
how could he leave that anymore? Because he's the black sheep then. Mm. When all of his brothers and sisters are in this, he can't leave. And that's what I've been told is that, well, where would I go if I left this? Everybody I know is in this. And, and, and well, that's something Altemeyer talks about also in his book, which is that uh, people who leave their faith, they pay a very, very high price. Uh, because they they are ostracized, they're shunned, they're um, uh, looked down on basically by you know their former believing friends, partners, family, and so forth. And in many cases, uh, they do this. I mean, for them, truth is such a value and worth so much that they are willing to pay that price of losing uh, the fellowship, even of their families. Um, so, how did that play out for y'all? Did you? Uh... Well, you can you can definitely say, as I said before, there is no official shunning, but in practice, you lose your social network. You do. What happens? Well, you just simply do not have the same. For a lot of people who have um, described it, they don't get the same calls anymore from people. You're not invited to things. You're forgotten and left out, and you almost have to go to an extra effort to be included in a lot of functions. Do they do they make any particular efforts to retrieve you? Oh well, my experience was more um, before I left the faith, and they realized that I was a little bit backing off. There was some of that kind of pressure put on, mostly by very close ones, like for example, my wife, to come and, and start talking and, and a little bit, you know, putting some pressure on uh, about it. But once I left my faith, I personally did not have, for example, brothers coming over or anything like that. That was not my experience, you know, asking me to... What about you, Jeff? Not so much. You know, I had one guy call me when I sent, sent a, a text message, and a quite long one, on my long list, and letting people know I had one speaker brother, as I say, because uh, in the, the stadiums, the women can't speak or be, or be, be priests, um, even in the in the the, the church. The patriarchal. Yeah, they can't. Yeah, they can't. Yeah, they can't. They can't be that. That's a. They they. they that's They're a, just supposed to be making those babies, huh? And well, some <laughs> that plus if they can't do that, something else in the church, right. whatever. Teaching Sunday school. Teaching Sunday school. Or, 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 or. I used to be a Sunday school teacher, yeah. by the way. I'll but um, I just say that the the um, I called me and said just to, to remind me because I actually specifically asked that there's no really use to to call me to call and uh, and try to convert or you know because they do call it and they and they sincerely believe this from the heart so they do it out of out of what they consider deep love they feel that they. They're calling in love, and it's not even easy for them to call it. They, I, I just, it's, it's difficult for them. They tell them, I have to struggle with my flesh and make this call, you know, but I guess it's my duty as a believer, and they call, and it's hard, and they, and they, they want to try to call you back. And this guy called me, just, he wanted to ask, what happened, Jeff? And I told him a little bit, you know, but at the end he had to say, remember, Jeff, the listating of his faith, this is the faith, now the with a capital T and capital M, the, the faith, only one. And they say it humbly. It's never a... Um, you know, a proud thing when he said, Jeff, the, this, you can always come back and faith is childlike. He said, you know, in the language, but I'll just translate it. He said, faith is childlike. To remind me that this, is supposed to be, this faith is, is supposed to infantilize everything. So what are some of the beliefs, uh, other than believing that you've got, you know, the hotline to God? Yeah, or the, forgiven. you know, the, oh. the fast track to heaven? <laughs> I mean, what's their position on, you know, other things? I mean, I've got this, I've got this printout from um, Wikipedia about this uh, group, and it says here that Lestadians believe that rhythmic music, alcohol, 
makeup, TV, birth control, and premarital sex is wrong. So are earrings, movies, school sports, dancing, tattoos. I don't care anything about tattoos. You're not going to have tattoos and eat at my table. Bowling alleys. Bowling alleys. And more. But they can smoke and chew. Well, they're all right in my book. As well as congregate in public areas and perform questionable antics. I don't know what that is. Wikipedia, you got to read. The central activities of Lestadians are haps, song services, giant bonfires, sure. youth discussions, caretaking meetings, revival meetings, sure. etc. And some fraction within Lestadianism has believed that the movement is a contemporary descendant of an unbroken line of living Christianity via the Moravian Church. Luther, the Bohemian Brethren, Brethren, the Lollards, the Mallards, the Widgeons, the Wood Ducks, and the Waldensians, all the way back to the primitive church. Yeah, there's different, we've got to know what Lestadianism there's. There there's are, 19 different, yeah. Different. Uh, yeah this is the biggest one, though. This is the biggest one. The faith one. that is so pure and true has already split into 19 different branches. Right. Um, wow. Well, the Bible heresies. says there's heresies, so... You got a clean house. You got a clean house. Do what you happen, and, and it's predicted in the Bible that that you must have heresies to kind of cleanse the church, to, so that the you know if there's leniency. The latest heresy was in the early '70s in North America. What about the financial side? Uh, is there a, a heavy financial obligation? Well, it's not huge. I think it, it is always encouraged that you pay according to your means. So there are those members who are more financially well off and they they give more and then there are those who don't have as much and they give less and and it isn't a very um, a ludicrous or how would you say a very rich organization however in in, uh, the, in, in Scandinavia they do uh, own properties and they have a, a fairly reasonable balance sheet but it's fairly conservative um, uh, but they gain their money through their through the services every year they have their summer services where 70 plus thousand believers gather in a place and they set up a small city and that, that usually generates quite a bit of, of income for that one of And what, what do they generate the income with? Well, they sell, they sell goods and uh, they sell books, they, books sell, tapes. they sell food on TVs. site, a lot of food you can buy, like there's a restaurant on site. Lots of ice cream no, and for sure. goodies because there's kids. There's kids all over the place. So they've got all these kids going around on a sugar high. Yeah, well, that's great. <laughs> Poison, poisoning them with dairy and, and sugar. Yeah, but they're going to heaven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably <laughs> faster than they planned. <laughs> yeah. But earlier on you were talking about a woman who uh, couldn't really afford to pay anything. Yeah, it was, a, it was a personal experience. This woman was actually quite struggling uh, being a, uh, she had several children and not a huge family, but, uh, and, and, uh, was, and her, her, her spouse left her and she was uh, a widow living on her own, not widow, but a single mom. And, and the, the, uh, the board members of the local congregation, uh, the staying congregation, came to visit her, paid her a visit. And, and and talk to her, you know, put the, but this pressure in a way that okay, you know, haven't paid your dues and so forth, and that was quite hard, you know, you know that she was struggling, and instead of giving a quick call, you know, we overdue with the dues, it became a kind of bit of production. So there is, it's a subtle pressure. When we mention the words, you know, to be in the faith, it's hard. It's, it's never the stadiumism. It's never he heavy-handed, fire and brimstone. It always comes with 
humble, you know, with love Soft and caring. And, and they truly, I knew I was in the same position myself. I used to serve as, you know, in camps and so forth and see someone straying away. And You're basically describing uh, just about any other Christian religion. They've got uh, the one true religion. They've got, you know, Jesus who saves, They've, which is their object of cultic value. Uh, they've got financial obligations, and if you leave, you are, you know, maybe not consciously shunned, but in some cases, some religions, it really, it really is conscious and deliberate. Uh, but, you know, you are effectively shunned, and people are sad, they're crying, uh, they, you know, mourn, whatever. I mean, I know some religions where if somebody leaves a religion, you know, they have a, you know, a wake, um, you know, like a mock funeral or something because that person is dead to them. So basically you're members of a cult or you were members of a cult that uh, believe that music, alcohol, makeup, TV, birth control, premarital sex, earrings, movies, school, sports, dancing, tattoos, bowling alleys, and well, maybe more. Not alleys. Maybe not bowling alleys. <laughs> uh, are you allowed to smoke and chew? Certainly, yeah. You're allowed to smoke and chew. Uh, what, and what about the earrings? I mean, the, the no earrings would not fly in my house. You know, I have four daughters. That might be a cultural thing. It's kind of weird, not necessarily doctrinal, but it's interesting because the women can wear bracelets and, and necklaces, but not earrings for some reason. And I don't think we really know why. Yeah. We're all kind of wondering, but it seems to be very culturally strong, and it's just not done. Yeah. What about dancing? No dancing. Yeah, that's something that I, you know, missed out. But they often say that you have to, you know, deny yourself of some of these things that of of worldly pleasures, and that's one of them. It's kind of fleshly. Uh, fleshly, yeah. because yeah, yeah, but you're not supposed to deny yourself all that sex that produces those babies as long as you're married, because you know, yeah. if you have the urge to have sex, that means that God is urging you to have sex so you can produce more babies, yeah. you can receive more gifts. But for God's sakes, don't dance. Don't dance. It's kind of an interesting. I mean, that's that's really kind of twisted, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. So I understand both of you are separated from your wives or in the process of getting divorces. Is this because you've left the faith, well, or I, is it other issues? It would be other issues, but I want to point out that when, although divorce and that sort of thing is something that does happen very much in the world, two people can't always live together for one reason or another, which we won't get into right now. It maybe is a, we will get into. Maybe we will at some point. <laughs> but... Think about this is such um, against the Lord's will in the doctrine of Lestadianism. It is really, this has become an extremely terrible point for my wife that I would, I'm seeking a divorce. And so the pressure that's being put on the children right now is immense. How they're being told that they're, the reason your father wants a divorce is because he's an unbeliever, which is... Yeah. Totally wrong. It's That's because outrageous. I have a he, he, I have a difficult because he's a divorce or she's equated mm. him as a as on the level of a raper or a murderer. She so said such strong things. That's part of her yeah. personality. So are you but. saying she's being she's putting the kids against you just because you're not a believer anymore? You would you could say it that way. Well, or she she's putting the kids against you because you want a divorce. That's what's actually mm -hmm. happening. But she's using the excuse that I'm I'm. No, I'm not a believer. They're no. supposed and to believe that divorce. there's a divorce, she will go to hell. Well, God does uh, not. She repent of it. There are yeah. people who've divorced and then asked for repentance and forgiveness, and they've and they've got the. If you repent of divorce, do you have to remarry the same woman? No, because you've made. The oh, mistake. you can <laughs> repent of divorcing yeah. and marry I, I somebody cases, else. I know personal so, cases where that's happened. Where they yeah. kind so of you can the deal and, divorce and repent any number of times and have probably, serial wives. Probably, or if they accept you back in, if they if they 
congregation accepts you back in. And of course, if you go to somebody and you repent, they're obliged to tell you you've forgiven, they're right? Forgiven, you know, because absolutely. it says, remember, because they asked, Peter had asked Jesus at one time, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? And he said, not seven times, but 70 times seven. So you can ask for forgiveness that many times per day or more. It's to show that the, the sea of the forgiveness of sins of the gospel is, is, is bottomless and you can have all your sins forgiven. In the matter so let me get this clear. A man beats his wife up yep. in a marriage. Then he goes to her and says, please forgive me. Am I forgiven? Are my sins forgiven? She has to forgive him. Yes. Right. However, however those, many times well, that those, happens. But however, this is, this is not so radical. If there's some kind of psychological problems or beating problems, there can be separations. That's not divorce. So what would happen in that case, the battered wife would move out, they'd have separate address, but she can't get married again because she said unto death she would be married to this. But you wouldn't have to have from this. Of course, the Lestadians wouldn't say violence cases or psychological abuse. And that radical. You know, yeah, well, well uh, let's not let's not even yeah. think about it in those right. in those terms. Let's think about a person who is a true believer and, and this woman who believes that yeah. she must forgive her husband no matter how many times he beats her. Right. And she, you know, she's not looking for a separation. She's not looking to, you know. And what if he is pathological? I mean, it's like Sandra Brown says, you know. I mean, you can pray all you want to Jesus, God, you know, Allah, Jehovah, whoever. But people who are pathological are not going to change. Yeah, unfortunately, I know in the stadium cases of that where there is pathology in some ways, a lot of controlling, actually, where some of the children have committed suicide um, because of the psychological abuse they've gone through, and you know, and, and the spouse is having to go through this. But it's just been kind of taken and taken on. But those you, are more of a more of a extreme. But, but you told me a, you told me a story earlier about uh, these people. Or this uh, a preacher who was saying that uh, better their children were dead. You know, what's yeah, that was that? an interesting case. When I was at the, a few years ago, thinking that this is, it was a final nail in the coffin for me. I wasn't truly believing as I my ideas of homosexuality and these. I wasn't agreeing with the the Lestadians in my heart with many things. But then this one this one and I, speaker had said this because I was thinking in my mind, you know, this is based on fear. This 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 whole religion, and when he said that. Uh, it was an older, you know, known speaker, you know, beloved preacher brother was speaking and he said that, gave an example, oh, it is so sad when the believers leave, we talked about the Lestadians leave, when they leave the kingdom of God and, and parents, many parents have said to me when their own children have given up their faith, they would have wished that their children would never have been born because the sadness of their children leaving their faith was so great. The sadness, which is fear, which is manipulation and that's what dawned on me this love uh, brother oh don't oh, the grandmother is saying don't leave your faith boy oh, it's love jesus loves you that is pure and unbridled manipulation and it is so subtle and so powerful it's much more powerful than, than, than you're gonna go to hell fire oh, and brimstone it, yes. fire and brimstone might turn them off it's so you know tear jerking and i've seen it in action you know and tugs you right in your tugs heart. you right in your heart and you kind of want to make your grandma happy okay I'll, I'll, that's like covert me? aggression it's the strongest kind it's, and that's how it's used, but it's considered love, and it's considered a Holy Spirit speaking. And this how about is how loving it's, somebody and giving them free will? Yeah, letting them that. learn their lessons, yes. But they say, this, oh, it's your free choice. Brett mentioned this at the beginning. <laughs> it's your choice to do this. It is your choice to believe, and I ch choose to believe. It's a free will matter, yeah. I remember some speaker yeah. brother saying. So sure. Very, that's what I mean. This idea of Altemeyer trying to be, it doesn't jive with our brain. We, want, we look for integrity and truth in this. And it just doesn't jive, the circular argument. You know, the Bible says it's like this, and you see these kind of contradictions. But you tell a believer that, you see contradictions. He says, get your sins forgiven. Because you're seeing contradictions. That's Satan, the enemy of soul. 
that's used. Not okay, Jeff, Jeff, you know, there's something that uh, I think that people are going to be wondering about because it's, it's something that comes to mind is, you know, here you are, you're 40 years old, and you married this woman, and you got 10 kids with her, and now you're separated or whatever, yeah, and, you know, kilometers apart. You know, people are going to say, you know, that you just basically, you know, ran out on her, abdicated your responsibility. Um, you know, what about these 10 kids that you brought into the world, you know? Uh, what's what's the deal here? I mean, why did you, was this, was the marriage so bad that you had to leave? I mean... Well, I was having these doubts about the kids coming every time when I only had a couple of kids. But I had, I dived further in the faith because I didn't want to see the breakup. I didn't want to see the lost social network of the believers. And that was my only, in the country, living in a foreign country in Scandinavia where it's dark, that was my only kind of friends. I didn't want to break up from this. So, but this continued, the, the marriage wasn't getting any closer, any better. From in the first five years, it was getting worse downhill ever since. And I just kept going, okay, I'll just believe and believe and God will show the way. These are doubts and these are, ask for forgiveness. These constant ideas that I don't want to live under the same roof with this person and, I, and we shouldn't be having children every year or every second year or whatever. Well, we you, you didn't want to live under the same roof with this person, but obviously you were sleeping with her. Yeah, this is the thing. This is, uh, maybe I should interject yeah. here, because one of the things to understand, that being in such a religion, you're not allowed to marry outside of your religion. So who knows who Jeff and I may have married had we been free to marry someone outside. So I would like to suggest that's one of the reasons why we married very unsuitable yeah. people for ourselves and that's another reason why our, our marriages weren't working very well. So you can have easily a situation where you have nothing much in common with your spouse except maybe sex for example. Yes, yeah, I'm going to what Laura mentioned is like the, the escapism. So what you're having even though the, I can I can say with a straight face even though I have 10 kids it's not it's not a function of of, of quantity. It's almost sometimes we'd feel that these things were born of the born of the you know virgin mary type of thing, you know, they were where did these come from? You know, something rolling over in the middle of the night and what happened there and then you realize you know it's, it, it was very and so so you were you, making love you were having sex yeah and it was and it was all, yeah and it was just and it was dopamine hit and it was escapism it was something to deal with the the, the extreme stress of 24 7 um, constant conflict in the house constant mess that kind of thing which is I grew up in a I didn't grow up in a big family I can't really it was tough to handle well well tell us this this is Inquiring minds want to know, um, how did you end up, uh, Brett has just said you had to marry inside the face, so how did you end up marrying somebody who was so incredibly unsuitable that you were able to leave? I mean, you're obviously a sensitive guy, you know, a thoughtful guy, so I don't think that you walked out on 10 kids, you know, lightly. I see them very regularly and two of them live with me. So you're, so you're being responsible about it, okay, so so uh, that answers that question. But the thing is, is that you, you got married to this woman who you clearly could not get along with because you couldn't even force yourself to get along with her for the sake of ten children. How did you end up marrying somebody like that? Didn't you have a clue? Yeah, I didn't have a clue. I was very young, early 20s, she was late teens, and uh, when you had, you, you had desires, and in this religion, if you have desires, it's often considered that this is coming from God, and God is leading you. And if you want to have any type so of so God is the activity, author of lust. Basically, yeah. Well, not, not well. That's interesting. Interesting. We wouldn't answer. say that, but we'll let's say just that. say it is. Okay. Let's just say it is for this <laughs> point practice. of this. So when you mention that, because you pulled the argument through, so you have these feelings and so forth, and and so then you just you. Uh, it's it, Apostle Paul said it's better to marry than burn. 
So if you're lusting after someone you want and you, you can't get, and you're gonna, instead of having premarital sex, it's best to be married. And that, there is a lot of Lestadians that are getting married. Yeah, that happens uh, a lot, they unfortunately. Can't keep the, and a lot of them are, the younger ones, don't take it so seriously. You know, they use birth control and have some sex, you know, and then repent of it later and kind of, even though I've been told by the older uh, 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 preacher brothers that those who think that way in the next heresy, they'll be washed away in the next heresy, in the next split of the church, because they come every third. Because they're not really believing Because they're not the truly heart. believing from the heart. Yeah. So they know that. So, But we truly believed it, so I thought, well, I really wanted to believe, believe and I had lots of shame and guilt with this desire. Shame and so, guilt? Shame and guilt, because I was... Tell me about desire. your shame and guilt. Well, desire. I, you, know, you desired over this 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 uh, woman, this younger woman, and I was, you know, wanting to have sex with her, and then, and then you... You, you felt that that was that's sinful to want to do that before, you know, marriage and so forth. And every once in a while, maybe have a kissy-huggy, and that's something that you, uh, that's wrong. You have to ask for forgiveness, and because and, you're not or married. Yeah, or, or, e or even sex, or it whatever. Like did you process. have sex before marriage? Oh, yeah, I did, and that was the worst thing. That was, that was really carrying on my conscience. And even though I had it forgiven, and... and, and some <laughs> Who years forgave ago, you? Uh, she did, and also other believers. You told other believers that you had sex before marriage. Yes, I did. I, I confessed of that sin, actually, so to get more power, you know. And did, not, you confess, did you confess that sin before or after you were married? Before. And, I and, then, what, and, and then what did they advise you to do? Get married? Well, not at that time, because uh, it was two years when I kind of lived with this, you know, and I was living as a believer and, 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 and abstinent in all way and, and, you know, a single man and... And then when I saw her again, and she was accepting me and, and, and wanting me to come, we, we hit it off. Again, we had to get married right away because when you saw this person, the only person you really had sex with, and you, uh, the only person that you've been really close to, and then you, you, you see her again, and then you come really close. And you... Well, I'll yeah. just add that definitely he had encouragement from uncles yeah. and such. When he asked, what should I do? I'm really feeling these feelings again. Well, yeah, it's not wrong to get married. Yeah. It's a good idea. Good idea mm -hmm. to get married. So definitely there was encouragement that way. I would say his mom said... You're way too young. But yeah, and I knew it. I was too. My mind said, no way. I knew right away I didn't want to get married young. I didn't want to get married to a foreigner. And I didn't want to get to married to a person uh, who hadn't, you know, done some of her, you know, life experience. And I didn't want to marry a young person who was just looking at me for attachment or whatever as a... Yeah. But so you got married and when did the first baby of, come? Uh, it was uh, probably one year and six days. He was one born. year and six days. Yes. And then a year after that was a second one. A year after that, a third one. <laughs> year after that, the fourth one. Year after that, the fifth. One. Was your wife breastfeeding? Yeah, but nothing, nothing, nothing. didn't help. Nothing. But it didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't change a thing. So, so was a, for, mean, all you, uh, for all you uh, viewers who wonder about breastfeeding as a birth control method, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, this is I mean, a bit you know, this is how. But you, know, you have the shame and guilt. So you asked why I get married. So then you feel that this is God's will. And you're all totally taught that marriage is instituted by God. Oh, yes. And you, what, what he puts together in heaven, let no one put asunder, however it goes. How and can anybody say that this was put together in heaven? Yeah, well, but definitely. Oh, because is, it was bound on earth, and whatever's bound on earth is bound in heaven. That's a real clever out they've got maybe, going there. Maybe. So, I've never heard it that way, but it was very, very strong. And that kept me in a very dysfunctional yeah. marriage way longer than it should have. Yeah. My children saw too tough. much fighting than they should have, all because I believed that the God did not, you know, what he put us together. Yeah. It's almost as if the whole purpose of this religion is to make breeders. Yeah, make lots and lots of... When you think about yeah. it, you know, you see some of the, the, the... there's If everybody has ten kids, someone point that out to me, because I, I try... I, I 
as soon as you start talking about this Lestadianism in a little bit negative light, then you're considered you're bitter and you're angry at them and you're bitter. And that shows that you're an unbeliever and shows that you're bitter and you've got sin on your conscience and, and because you're speaking bitterly and negatively about this. But that is one thing is that someone pointed out to me, well, that does quite assure that the Lestadian organization does keep going Increase their numbers. Yeah, and, and, and that's true. It's one of the only sects that really do grow, you know, these... these these religions. Yeah. Get married, want to have movement. sex, and then yeah. have all the babies. If you have true of the heart, and there are some people who stretch that a bit and think, well, it's all right to use different ways, but then the true believers know you've got to trust. Them. So, Brett, let's, uh, let's touch on this thing that you just said about, you know, this horrible marriage and a, and a, and a violence going on and abuse. Uh, are you suggesting that you were a wife beater? No, I'm suggesting maybe a little bit the other way. I know people are used to. You mean you were married to a wife, a husband beater? <laughs> right. Maybe that would be a little bit more accurate. So you were married to a violent person? Not in, in not in a physical. A sense. true believer. Well, sometimes physical. I remember. The physical. A true believer who was yeah, violent. Right. That's right. But they're sin corrupt. True believers remember they're sin corrupt. They don't people. pretend to be perfect people. They're now, I want you to remember... They don't have to be perfect. No, absolutely Because they can be forgiven, forgiven. and do it again. Yeah. Now, that is a very good point, because this is what, unfortunately, a lot of believers end up doing. Instead of getting the proper help, they rely too much on this forgiveness. You mm -hmm. see? Yeah. Even though it's also encouraged there that mm -hmm. the more, you know, they say, hey, if you've got a psychological problem, go get, get help. help. Yes, Look after your mental health and that. That's encouraged, especially since some of the issues have come out about the last 10, 15 years. Well, what years. if that psychological help suggests to you that you need to get out of the marriage? Right. Well, that's what then the believers would have to look at their conscience and decide what they could do. Yeah. You Not mentioned also. issues in the last 15 years. Which issues? Well, issues, some issues. There were some, in the 90s, there were some articles in their publications called The Voice of Zion. As is the one of the publications, and also the Scandinavian version of that. But uh, the uh, w there were some mental issues and people thinking that, like psychological issues and depression was coming out, mm -hmm. you know, in mainstream, you know, in the 90s, and that that's something that forgiveness should be, you know, could cover it. But they were saying that no, you need to deal with depression as depression. And they had to talk about that because there were so many people that were under this misapprehension that they 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 couldn't go see a professional, that they should be taking care of it with themselves Selves. and with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And that really tripped people yeah. up for a long time. And we just mentioned it's improving in a lot of circles. But there's some people who hang on to that, unfortunately. But he so. had to take a lot of lot of uh, verbal abuse, and he he uh, and so forth, and. As, as his brother, I noticed a lot. At least I, I had more passivity at home, you know. And but it was he, he went through rough, and he had to. Start, I remember telling him uh, five years ago that even where we're still in this belief system, I said, "Well, there are believers who are in a tough bind, and they you know they live. In, they may not be divorced, but they live in separate addresses." I was strongly encouraging just get out of that and live in two different under two different roofs. Thanks for that, Jeff. Yeah. Do, do you think? <laughs> do you think that this religion contributed to your wife being an, an abuser? I, I don't really know, but you see, there's always those possibilities because it, at least when I'm leaving the faith and that kind of stuff, because she has such a need to control, it could have awakened even more anger and fear in her. It's very possible, at least in the later years. Well, this whole thing sounds like you guys have been through the mill. It's been a pretty depressing ride for both of you. Sports, um, no sports. Uh, no sports. sports. No dancing. No dancing. No dancing. No dancing. <laughs> I remember my uncle said to me, you know, sent me a letter, tearjerker letter, when I was uh, on the basketball team. I was going to make the, the school basketball team to play against other schools and get the practice and the coaching. And this tearjerker mail came. Oh, dear brother, there are many believing athletic believers in the world that would 
quickly be taken on the team, but they don't join the team because they wouldn't want to lose their faith, and the faith is most and precious to them. And so I left out a lot of these things, you know. Oh, that is so sad. I want to, you know, play a bit of sing a bit of a rock, you know, a lighter rock band and stuff. No, you couldn't do that. You know, you could only sing songs and hymns of Zion. Did they explain you know? at all why these things are bad? Oh, we explained them because they would lose their faith because you get competitive, and it's been seen that people get into the teams and they got the teams there. They start doing things that are, you know, not conducive to believer or helping the faith. Get more worldly. Get more worldly. You start to like fame. Go to a hotel room and the guys get together. You might start drinking with yeah, the other ones. You might you start know, watching alcohol TV. Alcohol right yeah. out. Yeah. You might start looking at girls too early and yep. start, you know, doing some premarital mm -hmm. stuff. You might do right. some kissing. Slippery slope. Yeah, it's a slippery, slippery slope. slope, so best not so to even just danger zone, remember? High Fear, danger, you might lose your faith, your childlike faith. Boy, have I heard those conversations. Man, a lot. Now just that is a real cult. <laughs> yeah. so? we, and just think, we never thought in any yeah. way, shape, or form we were in a cult. We were just in a somewhat conservative religion. Yeah. That's what I would have told you, you know, years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now? Well, now it's starting to look a little bit like a cult, I'm afraid. He <laughs> <laughs> still has room for doubt there. And we get accused of being a cult, and we have no belief systems. We just research reality and establish what we consider to be probabilities at any given moment. And as our knowledge increases, as we make more discoveries, that changes continuously. It's not fixed. It's we not... encourage critical thinking. Yeah. Um, anything else? And in fact, Free if you're work. looking for a guru, or if you want to have illusions about going to heaven or whatever, we just tell you to leave our group or our forum. So yeah. It's like, where yeah. is the possible even comparison to make with what we do? You know, it's just because somebody used the word cult. Yeah. Because they use the word cult that, that, it, yeah. that it puts so much fear into people's minds or, you know, so much prejudice even. Yeah, well, you you know, just, but even you say Catholic, fact. which is almost exactly the yeah. same in a certain sense. They've just been there longer, mm -hmm. you know, and they've, they're part of the landscape. Or you say Methodist. Well, the Methodists really aren't all that bad because they're kind of ecumenical. But then... Uh, it depends, but the Baptist, you know, the, the various fundamentalist faiths, the Pentecostals and so forth, uh, all of those are accepted as normal part of our landscape, and nobody thinks to call them cults, but they are clearly, as we've just heard described, you know, this is a, just an offshoot of a fairly mainstream religion, the Lutheran Church, and it's a cult. Mind programming. Would you just describe From infancy. And we even program ourselves. We make sure that we go to church regularly and listen yeah. to those droning sermons because we do not want to leave this faith. And so yeah, we, as an adult, we, pro we program yeah, ourselves. Yeah, and you're afraid of going to hell. That's the yeah. main thing. Yes. Well, they'll, say, they'll deny that. They'll, Some will that deny. But they'll say, well, no, that's the main thing. They'll say that, that the faith is, you know, is, is peace, joy, and righteousness, you know, and the Holy yeah. Spirit. Uh, righteousness, joy, and peace in that order. Well, let me tell you about my uncle. Wasn't it the greatest? I said in a letter when I left my faith, I said that I, it's, it's a fear-based religion. He wrote back to me and said, well, I don't have any fear except when I have sin on my conscience. And I said, thank you, Uncle. <laughs> Just prove my point. Case closed. So what do you do if you think you're a member of a cult? I mean, a real cult. What do you think, girls? Educate yourself. First thing, read Bob Altemeyer's book, Amazing Conversions. And also his book about the authoritarians. Which is available online. Yes, for free. What else? 
knowledge, especially I will say about psychology, not only Bob Altimeyer, but psychology in general, narcissism, mm -hmm. manipulations, covered aggressiveness. Because the truth is, is a lot of people who belong to true cults are people who, uh, sorry, a lot of people who belong to true cults are people who are authoritarian personality types. Many of them are pathological. Uh, some people uh, have cults of one where uh, a man is sexually abusive towards a woman or towards his family. Uh, that can be kind of like a cult situation too because all of the same principles that apply in a larger sense to a, a bigger group of people apply in abusive relationships. Uh, and the effects on the people are the same. It's, uh, it's post-traumatic stress. Uh, they're brainwashed. They're separated from you know, their family, their friends, you know, from real life, from what's going on. Um, so, Which brings another important point. People should extend their, their, their network outside the cult. Yes. Yeah. And for the post-traumatic stress, uh, we have what we believe to be a, a really good solution, which is based on scientific research, and that's our Aerolus uh, Breathing healing and rejuvenation program. It's based on solid science. It's not mystical mumbo jumbo. Uh, you can check it out on the Aerolus.org website and that's E-I-R-I-U hyphen E-O-L-A-S dot org. Um, check it out. You can get the program for free. Uh, we're a, really a very bad cult because we give stuff away, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> For free. And uh, no matter what, uh, you know, what culture and just try to think is it worth losing your free will you know is it worth it living a life where you can't make any decisions of your own where you, you can't know? search for truth yeah and if somebody's telling you not to do that then there is a problem and you need to heal you know, you're gonna need a lot of time to heal to think of for for yourself to have real friends who are not gonna judge you if you leave and that's something that is kind of getting rare in this world but you can get it and you need it if you want to stay sane in this world yeah think. Use it or lose it. And if you want to find out for yourself whether or not we're a cult, you can just go check out our anti-cult accusation website, cassiopeia-cult.org, that we actually had to create because so many people accuse us of being a cult. And the reason they accuse us of being a cult is because it's always people who are members of real cults who accuse us of that because we are in the business of setting people free from cults and from abuse and abusive relationships. I hope the readers enjoyed this little peek inside another reality and we'll be back soon with another episode of Sot Perspectives. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are on the planet. Thank you. <laughs>